Welcome to Beavis' Movies, my name is James Beaver, and we are back here once again. Welcome to the show. Yes, he's finally back. I've been asking him enough times. I keep saying the one and only, I keep, this is the habit now, but Jay Walker's here. I'm here. Yeah. Get just had to book me my hotel room and get the PO, fly me a- in. Exactly. We are in our hotel room. We're using the chair for the laptop, a tiny ass desk. We're on the edge of the beds. Beat the hell out of a sauna laundry room. That's it for does sure. with some random dude walking in. Yes, <laughs> it, it does indeed. Welcome back to the show. I'm surprised I'm back. Top one of the uh, top five guests of the year. Nice, nice. Yeah, not the first because I didn't want to be rude. Right. I actually wanted to be rude. You're fifth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you are. Were you giggling? <laughs> well, as, lo- as long as I'm ahead of my commission, I think I think that's a goal. <laughs> he was he was the worst. He was the worst guest. Yeah, yeah. So that's he's, he's not been back on since, and I keep asking him, and I think I've hurt his feelings. So who knows what's going on with that? Suck it the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. We watched a movie. Sure did. It's it's the name of the show. Beaver does movies, and we did a movie. We does and it, and movies, it, and it's kind of topical too because me and you are big fans of this series. Yes. Yes. Uh, we loved the first one, which we watched today. Spoiler alert: We enjoyed the second one. And we're anticipating the, the third one, which is out now, which I'm actually going to be watching tomorrow. And then at the end of this podcast, uh, well, end of th- this conversation with you, I'm going to do another recording where I give my thoughts on Glass about half an hour after the fact. Cool, cool. Yeah, so uh, we watched M. Night Shyamalan's. I I hope I got that right. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable, his second ever movie. Right, right, yes. right. Yes, uh, he was still in peak... Shyamalan. Eventually, he, he got... Shyamalan. <laughs> he was Shyamalan indeed. But then eventually, he kind of fell off, uh, in my opinion. Oh, uh, yeah. I think in yeah. a lot of people's opinions. Yeah. Um, it, it started wavering with signs. It was still there. But people kind of slowly turned on him. By the village, people were done. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then by... I think it was uh, Lady in the Water. Okay. They were completely done right. when they made his character the savior of the world through his writing. Really? See, I've never, I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Yeah. I, I know the whole motif and everything. I've not seen The Village or Lady in the Water, but the whole idea that he made himself the savior of the free world through his writing, that's pretty <laughs> bad. Then I watched The Happening. The reason why I watched The Happening was because I heard it was so bad it it could be good. What was that one about again? I feel like I it's might've... where um, the wind makes people kill themselves. Oh, okay, I, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, Mark Wahlberg talking to a plastic plant, <laughs> like a hostage negotiation, is the funniest thing in the history of things. I might have to watch that now. And there's just this random dude who just starts talking about hot dogs. You know what? I might have actually seen that now one time. Hot dogs get a bad rep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh God. And then. Um, I've never seen Avatar, The Last Airbender. I've I've never seen the cartoon. Right, right. But I've seen this, and I knew that was shit. Oh, okay. And then he did... He had a hand in Devil, that elevator movie about one of them oh, being right, the right. devil. Oh, right, right. Okay. I, 
apparently he was like an undercover director. He just got a bunch of people that he knew to be the director, but he was like running. Oh, the okay. kind of wanted his name unattached. Yeah, because, because at the time, just his, to give it a chance, his name was shit. I hear that. Yeah, and then but then he did uh, the visit. Right. Yeah, yes. that was and that was actually that was really well done. Yeah, that was kind of a return to form. Then yeah. he did Split, and Split in itself, if it was a movie, is a good movie. Right. But the end stinger, and spoiler alert, it turns out that Split is a secret sequel to Unbreakable. I we I was watching that with my wife. Uh, it was late at night. There, we were just in bed watching the movie and enjoying the movie thoroughly. And yeah. then all of a sudden that thing at the end i literally jumped out of bed in shock like because i was such a big fan of unbreakable that we're reviewing today i watched split in the theater and i yelled holy fuck <laughs> i yelled holy that fuck. would have been fun to be, be there actually for yeah. that but I, people around me were like what's bruce willis doing in this right. and i'm like unbreakable it's, it's him it's the guy it's the movie it's the sequel yes. we've been talking about this he's been yeah exactly he did interviews right talking about how he, it was supposed to be a trilogy and yeah, we never yeah. were gonna get it and then, and all then of a sudden, it was one of those things i was just in constant limbo yeah and here we are 19 years later and they're doing the finishing the trilogy. right it's amazing yeah it, and it's really i really do enjoy the series oh yeah and i'm very hopeful for the third one same yeah i've been hearing some bad stuff I don't give a shit what any critic says about a movie. I usually look into it just to listen, yeah, get just a to feel. Get, get a feel. And but then sometimes you have got fans who are super fans, yeah. and it's very hard to justify because right. there might be some like goggles there. Right, right. I'm I'm going. I'm going tomorrow. I've right. already got my tickets uh, through the Atom app. I'm gonna have to wait a little. Atom bit app is not a sponsor, but I'm hoping because I love using the Atom app. Oh yeah. Hey Atom app, if you're listening, please sponsor my podcast because I use it pretty much every visit. I feel like I've got a free movie or snack out of the Atom app. I yeah, think. yeah. They, I I love using them so. Like once once again, they're saying a sponsorship, but it, but I would like it to be <laughs> nudge nudge. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, so we're going to take a mini break. Uh, I'm going to get back on that on this bed because I'm falling off, and uh, we will be about to talk about M Night Shyamalan's 2000 Unbreakable. And yes, we watched M Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable. Dramatic pause. Directed by M Night Shyamalan. Produced by Barry Mendel, Sam Merson, M. Night Shyamalan. Run by M. Night Shyamalan. Music by James Newton Howard. This movie was released November 22nd, 2000, so I was 15. Uh, this movie is uh, 106 minutes, so it's about 1 hour and 46 minutes, which is a decent time, especially considering what they had. Yeah. Apparently it was going to be a lot longer, and we'll get into that later on. Because right. there's some things. Budget was $75 million, which wow. so, I wonder if that's uh, on the names. I could see, especially at that time, right? Considered it was at the height of Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. So I wonder if it's that, because I don't know where else, there was no masterful special effects. Yeah, no, for for this type of movie, yeah, there definitely wasn't a whole lot of, at least noticeable CGI, right? It was, it yeah. was very cut and dry. There was barely any CGI. Yeah, like I'm trying to think. Like, there was nothing with the train crash. There was nothing like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it made $248 million Oh, on nice. its uh, budget, so it's pretty much a success, and kind of surprising that they never did a sequel for this. But I wonder if that's just M Night wanting to go into other avenues because he he was he has been pretty busy since then. I'm surprised it was actually such a success because the the way I talk up this movie and the fact that nobody I knows heard of it or remembers it just kind of yeah know, nope but... yeah nobody does remember this movie no <laughs> yeah. 
It's a forgotten gem. Yes. Uh, so if you would like to go into the brief synopsis about this movie. Yeah, okay. So we uh, we start off and we're not sure. There's a baby being delivered in the opening scene. And we find out that it's uh, one of our main characters, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, his character's name's Elijah. And the baby is born with broken limbs. And uh, from there, we kind of see... Bruce Willis, we cut to him uh, in what's happening right now, and he's on a train. You see him kind of playing around with a, a wedding ring and pocketing it because a woman sits next to him, and kind of trying to get a feel for the character and what's going on. But uh, we find out that the train is, suffers a horrific crash. In the hospital, we find out that everyone has died except for Bruce Willis, who doesn't even have a scratch on him, no injuries perfectly good health and is able to walk out the day of the accident okay i'm just gonna cut in the middle of here because you kind of glossed over mr glass's birth the first thing i noticed when watching this movie was the doctor the doctor is in a tv show i really enjoy called oz oh yeah he plays one of the leaders i don't know his name he's also an english actor oh okay he was in a tv show called till death do his part with a character named afghan who was the prototype of archie bunker and he played a gay black neighbor. And he would constantly make fun of Alf Garnet and stuff like that. Okay. So it's kind of funny watching him in this, considering what I've seen him in. We then eventually, like like you said, we then go into David Dunn. And what the first thing that really caught me was the first thing you see him do is look at a woman and take his wedding ring off. Right. It was very interesting because it made him into like a flawed character. Right. Immediately. Yes. It made him into a flow character, and it shows you that he is having some problems. Talking about David Dunn, Bruce Willis's character, uh, let, let's just go delve into him because, like I said, it's going to be free form. Okay. I like that he they also show regrets over his football career. That his life has been pretty meaningless, but there's this thing in his body that makes him want to protect people. Oh yeah, for yes. Sure. It's kind of, in my opinion, a bit too ham-fisted because you got Samuel Jackson explaining. That this is what you do. It's not being shown. It's a lot of telling. Um, actually, with the opening, like I, I the first time I watched this would have been uh, 2007, I think. Actually, I was studying film at the University of Manitoba, and this is one of the films I took a course actually called uh, action film. Okay. So yeah, so that was a lot of fun, and we got to talk about it a lot. And I started trying to like go back and find my notes. Couldn't find anything. I don't okay. burn that shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. School. Weren't you done school? School. <laughs> book that <laughs> it's like bart simpson right you hit yourself over the head until you exactly. forget it but um yeah no uh the way the shots were originally when we were kind of getting introduced to these characters m night Shyamalan is like so passionate about his projects and his art of the film so when we're introduced to these characters and their inner thoughts we're introduced to them the camera is actually upside down and it's to sort of represent i think how their thoughts are they're so on their heads about how they view themselves yes. in the world. So um, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Elijah, is sort of like paralyzed with fear of having like no purpose to his life, right? He just thinks that his bones will always break. There's nothing to it. He's going to stay sheltered. But on the opposite side, he always thinks, I should be something better. He doesn't have that hope, though, uh, until 
you see the scene he's going, or his mom tries to get him outside to the park. Yes. She sticks a comic book out there. When he's introduced to comic books, the camera turns yes. itself. And that's like the introduction of his thoughts turning into, hey, you know, maybe I can and find something. And on the opposite, opposite side of that, a very similar moment happens to David Dunn. Yes. Because it's during the uh, car accident. The, the, tr- oh, that as well. Later, yes. Right? That's the, like kind of suppression yes um where they get suppressed into certain something else exactly but um two on the train the girl is upside down looking at bruce willis and that's kind of the perspective we're getting of him yeah. at first is how this girl is viewing him up and you just see this depressed down guy he feels so powerless and uh, later we find out he's losing his family and he's yes. refused you know and it's funny too because like he kind of turns his head like but he refuses to, you know, yeah. like, so he's kind of fighting it's, to it's get like on that he's level. He's fighting for what, for what he actually knows. Exactly. So, like, symbolically, it's like he'd rather avoid confronting his own issues and would run from them. He's going yeah. to New York to find a new job to get away from the family because yes. it's pressure and he doesn't like to deal with any of that. He doesn't have any courage mm. to deal with that. What I enjoy about this is uh, with David's powers, in a way, they're very grounded. Oh, 100%. They're very grounded. Uh, he's not super strong. But right. he's strong enough to do something. Yeah. When they introduce, like, his clairvoyancy, I guess? Like, when it comes to when he touches people, he has, like, a kind of... Oh, yeah, yeah. He kind of has an evil radar. It's a spidey sense. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. I really enjoyed the, the way they've done it. Rather than have it where that's a bad guy, it shows what they've done, but it's in a way that it's kind of confusing. Right. Unless you're looking for it's something. It's not so straightforward. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like he's looking down. It's almost mystical. Every shot, it's always looking down. Right. And then you just see the the bad person wearing a certain color. Right. So the uh, the rapist is wearing green. The guy that date raped a chick. Okay, yeah, He's wearing right. green. The the maintenance man, as I call him, right. is wearing orange. The orange, right. It's And it stands out that he, it's he who he's looking for. It's stealing from the comic book world of being yes. such a colorful world, even though we're seeing the natural... Because yeah. uh, like, the comic books used to have where it was black and white, but if there was certain stuff, they would like highlight it okay. for certain aspects. Often in com- like comic book movies, when they introduce the powers, they always go into like these crazy... Oh, yeah, yeah. I really like the way they showed how strong he was. But not making it into the realm of impossibility. That was such an iconic yes. scene too to me. And it was a great, like, it really, like, built up the bond between him and his son. Yeah. Because it shows him, and it shows him, like, he's constantly stern with him. Yeah. But then he's kind of like, I like this, though. Right. It, it shows that his son desperately looks up to his dad. Oh, for sure. Like, and just having this greater belief. Yeah. Uh, early scenes, you see him, he, he very much supports and protects his son. He's always going to bed yeah. to make sure he's okay, even though there's problems in the home and he's almost sleeping. He sleeps in the same bed as him often until yeah. he's passed out. He always has this overprotective right. attitude. And that's kind of focused on his subconscious character. Exactly. Because he becomes a security guard. And I wish they didn't outright say it. <laughs> I wish they just made it a bit more subtle rather than just outright saying you became a security card because you like to protect Well, I, I think at the same time, it's uh, David, it's Bruce Willis's character that isn't connecting the dots. He's just kind of blowing off Elijah's theories. He's just, sometimes he has to connect the dots for David to realize what's actually going on to try to make this sound. I think it's to also support, we're not going into the fantastical for yeah. us as a viewer. It, it's something very viable and It's believable. very, very grounded, like for I've sure. said. One thing, just uh, a little bit, the state of the music at the start of this was very soft, cold porn-esque. 
trying to think. It was like a wait, wait, wait you know, it's very soft core porn, like Jordan sexing. I, I can't replicate it, but it's very. I was like, what's this? I, I remember more of the soundtrack near the yeah. end there when it gets much more uh, operatic or orchestral. Yeah. and it, that, that, that whole intro was bad, but then everything after this is fantastic. Yeah, okay. Like I said, uh, when we're talking about the train cap crash, I really like the way they represented it. They didn't go overly, like... Graphic? Like, tragedy porn. Yeah, yeah. You see him? It's actually the first introduction to his powers. Because he knows something's going up. It's well, you can hear... I know what you're saying, but I think if you pay attention more to the background noise, you yeah. hear the train like blowing its horn constantly yeah. in the background. He is looking and starting to kind of become protective and worried about everything going yeah. on around him. Okay. And then I liked how it just cuts, and it cuts to his son watching. The, yeah. yeah. And then we get where David's just sitting there. And you just see a, dark, a guy in front of him bleeding to yes, death. Yes, yes. As he's just asking him questions. Yeah. And then it follows up where he's walking amongst, like, family of the dead. Right. It's all slow motion. And just every single person's face is, they're happy that somebody's alive, but they're really broken because it's not their family member. And the camera stays to catch the raw emotion of everything. Yes. Usually in these action movies, everything's, you know, a seven second or so Overlook cut. it. But these were very long, drawn out, you know, one camera uh, scenes that, and, and it just really helped bring it more to a reality base yes. rather than fantastical. Again. Exactly. And so from there, we get uh, the introduction kind of to Mr. Glass, like fully, because then we get how many sick days have you had? I like that because it kind of starts the lead up to actually the movie. Yeah. And it's done very subtly as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then this is me being silly now, but when he goes to ask that uh, lady at the desk about how many sick days he's had, and then she mentions that she nearly got trampled to death by a horse, I went, does she have powers? Is <laughs> <laughs> in Mr. Glass, she's just going to show up and uppercut the horde. <laughs> you know, just, I'm like, she got... That, that horse would have fucked her up, but she seems pretty good. Uh, her age, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then I, I do find it interesting. We're actually going to go into uh, future sight now. When we're fully introduced to Samuel Jackson as uh, Mr. Glass, Mr. Glass, uh, Elijah Price, the first full scene of him, yeah, he's looking at a, a, a comic book that that he had as a child that he kind of replicated. Right. It's very interesting to see the the character that are fighting. And would you say this, that it's Bruce Willis and the Hulk? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I wonder if that was foreshadowing in the initial planning for the movie, because the Horde was going to be in this movie. Oh, right, yeah. The Horde was going to be in this movie. In my opinion, I think it was meant to be the maintenance man. Oh, okay. Because he holds people hostage. Yeah. He's this kind of a guy that's in the background doing stuff. But I think because of the whole aspect to him, it would have been way too much that they kind of just grounded it. Right, right. So, would have, yeah, it would have definitely changed yeah. the entire. So, just future time, like, yeah, that maintenance man, as I'm going to call him. <laughs> maintenance man. Yeah, the evil maintenance man. <laughs> I do believe that he's a placeholder for date. Uh, I think his name is David in Split as well. Could be one of the personalities, yeah, yeah. even maybe, yeah. And so he's one of the, uh, like I said, the beast, the horde, they, they were meant to be in this movie. Right. But I think he was like, this is way too much. I think this would have been a two and a half movie if they had to introduce. Oh, yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And it it would have worked, but I think it's nice to tie in it. And 
in my opinion, this series is very much like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Oh, I've never seen, so I can't check. Okay. Uh, the Good and Bad and the Ugly is actually the end of a trilogy. Okay. So you had the good, who was in the first movie, the bad, and then they introduced the ugly in the third movie. Okay. So you got the good in Bruce Willis, you got the bad in the Horde, and then the ugly is Mr. Glass. Oh, okay. You know he's in the first movie, right. it's still that kind of thing where yeah. they all come together and you want to see what, what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do appreciate that, and actually, I've always wanted them to do a comic book series, like, movies like that. Where you have two characters introduced, and then the third movie, they all come to together. Tie them together, for sure. Yeah. So, the first meeting between David and Mr. Glass... Right. ...is very anti-comic book. <laughs> Usually, you got, like, these quips, you got these one-liners, and then you kind of know... But this is the opposite. They actually kind of become friends. Yeah. But you can still see that uh, Bruce Willis's character, David, doesn't trust him. Oh, 100%, yeah. Mr. Glass is all in. Right. But D- David is like... I'm going to go along. Yeah, I'm going to tell you to leave me alone. Right. But he's not threatening him because right. of how he looks. That's not his personality yes. either, right? Yeah. And it's very interesting. And it's a very good introduction. It's a very good first meeting between them two because you know something's going to happen. You right. just don't know what. Yeah, you don't know where it's yeah. kind of going. If you go in not knowing what kind of a movie this is, I think yeah. you get totally taken on. And rewatching this term. movie, he never touches them. Oh, no. It's and shitty, right? I, yeah. But considering what happens at the end, yeah. it's very interesting that he paid that much attention and he didn't like grab him by the arm or something. Yeah, yeah. It's very much. Let's talk about Mr. Glass. Like I said, we're introduced to him as a baby. Right. And then we get that little scene where he's afraid to go out. Right. And then eventually with comic books. Um, we get him wanting to go out more. And this kind of fuels him into being what he wants. Right. He kind of sees people like Lex Luthor and stuff like that. And yeah. he's like, they're not the strongest, but I I can be that. And there's going to be my Superman out there. Right. right and it's right. very interesting. Yeah. And I think it's fueled by his mom as well. Um, Especially the way she... Uh, at the end there? Where, where, she talk, where she talks to him. I think it was that she loved the way I look at it, right, is, like, he's so obsessed because he has nothing else. So, like, he relies on these comic books yeah. and it takes his imagination. And she's using it as an example to kind of help him. But in helping him, she's kind of made a monster. In a way, yeah. Yeah. She's told him, you you can be, there are supermen out in the world. Right. But you can be the smart one. And he's kind of twisted at it. Because he's he's kind of, he's kind of messed up with all of the broken bones. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's kind of affected his psyche. Oh, and for him to think that he's now more intelligent than everyone, it's kind of upped him. Right. And so, like I said, he has a he has a clear obsession with David. As soon as he finds out that David is is Superman is real, he is very much stalking this man, finding out wherever he can. Um, it's very interesting. Because he clearly didn't um, fall down the stairs on purpose. Right. That was an accident. Yeah. And it's very interesting that it turns out David's wife is a physio. Yeah. But I think even if she wasn't a physio, he would have found a way to get to her. Oh, yeah, yeah. He would have done something because he, he clearly has enough money. Yeah, and just, just the smarts to be able to, yeah, to chase people like down if she, like that. If she was like a call center or person, he would have called every day to call. Yeah. That, I think they just made her a physio just to kind of streamline it a bit. Right. The way they explained everything to, for, to believe, have some sort of belief that, uh, da- uh, David 
does have these superhero like uh powers or just this this aura around him just the backstory the legend explaining both ends of the spectrum yes. you know it, with elijah being the guy whose bones are always breaking there must be somebody who has the supernatural strength and ability yeah. to survive anything yeah which but, which is what she mentioned to him as well exactly is, it's very uh all about uh the yin and yang yeah and that's the whole thing that for every one person there's an opposite yeah. And because I'm the opposite, I want to find the person that has what I don't have. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's talk about the fault, like, uh, Bruce, uh, Willis and his son. Okay. I really like this. The relationship. I really lo- like the way, uh, there's two key scenes. Uh, there's the part where, oh, there's three key scenes, but we've already mentioned where he tests his powers. Right. I really like that because you got little tells. His son clearly looks up to him. Oh, yeah. And then you got him just being very stern with him. But, Loving Stern. It's not right. It's not get get me a beer, Stern. It's right. More, I'm doing this to protect you because if I hurt myself, what, what can you do to help me? Exactly. And then I really do enjoy when he pulls a gun on him. Oh yeah, that, it's just so intense. It is, and you can. I love the way he handles it. He doesn't handle it where he's babying him. Right. He's like, this is serious. Give me the gun, and I love the way that they linger on it after the fact right it doesn't cut afterwards you see him take the bullets out the kid drops uh the wife is just like crouching the emotion of it all and he's he's sliding against a wall right and you just see it what how much it takes it out of them yeah and and then the the other scene that really cements it is when he tells when the son reads the paper sees the drawing knows it is his dad and is there's no words said apart from a couple. I, I, he wrote, I wrote a ton about this, actually. The, I would like you to the, the, uh, the moment, yeah. So Bruce Willis in the end realizes he's got these powers. He uses them for good to stop this rapist who's kidnapped at, uh, a couple of girls and murdered his parents. Uh, Bruce Willis saves the day. It makes the paper, and there's this sketch drawing from the girl's telling of the story of what he looks like. And Bruce Willis has a chance to read the paper. But the moment he passes the paper to his son... And mentions not to say a word to the mother either to kind of keep the secret. And the reactions on their face, they're both tearing up. They're both, uh, the kids blown away and, uh, that their beliefs are right about the, the, having the supernatural powers. Uh, but it's their responsibility to keep a secret. And just all this, uh, standoffishness from the dad and his pushing and threatening to run away from New York during that gun scene. It's this journey that's like really brought them together and everything's right. And his son believed him in from the start, even when Bruce Willis's character didn't, and he always questioned himself. His son always believed, and I think there's just like this tremendous amount of power in that scene without speaking a single word. They sit on it, they look at the eyes, they focus on the emotion of it all, and we just get this little nod from David and and just the look of sheer amazement and wonder and all the pride from the son, like says it all in the scene without a single. Because in my opinion, when that, when he realizes that it's his dad, it's the realization that his dad is everything he thought he was. Yeah. It's because everyone, when they think of their dad, they want him to be the st- superhero. But when it turns out, like, it's just, it's so relieving for him. 100%. Because he always had that worry because that's why he pulled the gun on him. Right. That he wasn't the hero that he thought he was, right. especially learning about this. But now that he's known he's gone out and done it, it's amazing. Yeah. I also like the super, the, the full superhero villain moment for Mr. Glass, in my opinion, is when he falls down the steps. Yeah. The the cane smashes, mm-hmm. and then he's laying, looking at the ma- the man because in the movie uh, we introduce Bruce Willis's powers 
of seeing bad guys by he he touches one guy and he feels like he has a gun. Right. He kind of sees it in his head. Yeah, this is at the football game. Yes. Right? And so uh, Samuel Jackson in his cool padded car, which was a, a nice little. <laughs> it was. It was I, nice, I love the car. It, it was this is is that little thing. Yeah. But I love I love that they added it. So he starts following him, and Mister Glass Elijah Price falls down the steps, breaks his cane, and it pretty much breaks his legs and arms. Yeah. Then as he's looking, he sees the same guy, and he sees the gun in his pocket, and it's exactly what he wants. It, it matches the exact description of David, that David had the clairvoyancy to see just And from, from there, he actually forgets his pain, Yeah, stops screaming, and has a little, smile on his yeah. face. So it's kind of like, he's been proven right, so he can forget the pain. Right, I'm, I'm sure the cane shattering was some sort of metaphor, too, yeah. for the last bit of sanity. Now he's sunken into this insanity of, I found... And it shattered into glass. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. exactly. And then uh, we get, like, a bit of a cat and mask. We get Bruce Willis talking to glass, and they're talking about powers. We we discover that his weakness is water, because apparently when he was a baby, he, dra- he nearly drowned. Right, when he was super young. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of fully pulled Mr. Glass into villainary, because he now knows his seat. His secret uh, weakness. He right. has his kryptonite. Right. So now he can put into motion him being a hero. So he can fully realize his plan. Right. So eventually we get uh, we get him, we get them both talking. He goes, "Go on patrol. Go to the place where you can get the most people, and go on patrol." Yeah. And I really like the view, the image of Bruce Willis as David Dunn's character in in the uh, cloak. Oh yeah, this is totally like a very realistic superhero costume. I'm yeah. Like the the it's almost like a raincoat, I guess you yes. could say, like a security raincoat. Yeah. It says security almost as if that's his logo. Security man, apparently. But it just has this long, natural feel of a cape and just the hood over the face and everything. And, and then it- that's actually kind of, like, foreshadowed when Mr. Glass is kind of depressed in the comic book store. And then he's being dragged off and then he sees a comic book on the thing that says security man. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't notice that. It says security words. man or sentry man, I believe. <laughs> oh, okay. And so he's like, oh, he's got to go on patrol now. Right. And so that, and then I really like the way he's just walking around, kind of like leaving his hands out to touch people. Right. And you see the, the, the rapist, and then eventually you see Maintenance Man. Yeah. Who is a placeholder for the Horde, which eventually comes into the, the next movie. Right. And then from there we get, we, I really like the way the film, like, all his violent deeds and everything, is where you see him standing in the door, like it's a security camera. That, that's the way I took it. Every, every time you see, Every time he sees a, 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 like a crime happening, it's like a security camera looking down. Kind of like the watchful eye almost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, okay. I, you know, we've been being... I'm interested, interested that you see it that way. Yeah. I, I think you should go back and watch this tonight even, and I think you would be that much more impressed with the movie. Every scene in this movie, every single one, is framed yeah. like it's a comic book panel. Oh, wow. Go back and look. Yeah. Not not even just the way it's framed, the way everything is shadowed and shot. Yeah. Like, to the letter, I would compare it to Sin City and how religious it is to following the comic book format. Yeah. So this is very much a comic book Oh, movie. like I said, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan is super passionate about these projects. And so um, we eventually get, like, to where David fully realizes his superpowers. Yes. And he's like... I'm going to follow this man. And I really like that it's done in the rain. Yes. 
and just the the way it's framed and the way it's shot, you just see him in the thing as he's following him. Yep. It's very interesting. Oh, I really enjoy it. You get sucked right into it. All of a sudden, this this real world becomes this supernatural thing, and you, yeah. you have all the belief in the world with uh, David's character. And yeah, the rain adds the more drama. You realize that water is also his weakness. Yeah. So it just adds that extra element of uh, danger to the entire... And so we get the initial him trying to save him, and then maintenance man pushes him off. And he oh, goes into oh, the pool. Yeah, conveniently. And I, I think that was the hero's uh, overcoming. Yeah. Because every time... It's kind of a superhero trope where they overcome yeah. your weakness. 100%. Like, you got got uh, Superman lifting stuff when he's, like, affected with kryptonite. Yeah. Um, you got Batman being shot. Yeah. you got all this stuff. And it was kind of interesting that they did this. It kind of convenient. Right. But it was kind of needed. Just it to, needed it, yeah. And it actually needed to show how kind of weak he was yeah. in the war. Yeah. Because he struggled. And it's a very natural response too, right? Yes. Like for those that are afraid of water, they would totally understand just yeah. being overcome with the fear of it. I don't think he would like fully like just freeze up. No. But because he had the pool screen. The tar- yeah, the tarp helped, It, it right? kind of made it feel more. Because exactly. a lot of people have died in that Oh way. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then we get like a slow motion. I really like that they didn't give him instant karate. Oh yeah, yeah, no. And, re- and it was really realistic. A very security like, if, move. If right? me and you had like super strength and super like durability, yeah, we would just hold on like a bull. Yeah, exactly. And I love how how much damage is going on, and he's like bashing around into the walls, yeah. just ripping the walls. And apart. he's just you, he's just using it because you can just stand there, not exude any uh, stamina. Yeah. And just let the guy tire out. Yeah, exactly. And then I do enjoy that he um, he tried to get. It wasn't a happy ending. No, for sure. That yeah. the wife was dead too. Yeah, yeah. But then, like I said, it goes into that. And then eventually we get into the Shamalong twist. Oh, so And good. it is so amazing. So what happens is he finally comes down and he goes to the exhibit for uh, Elijah Price. Right. And he's like, his mom shows up and starts asking questions. Funny aside, uh, the mom that plays him is actually five years younger than Samuel Jackson. When you told me that, I was so yeah. amazed. <laughs> yes. So, That's crazy. But Samuel Jackson has been 35 for like 40 years. He He's in his 70s. Yeah. So, no, yeah. When you see him accept awards at, at yeah. shows, it's like he, you're blown away. Like he's, um, he's playing like someone from the, uh, he's playing Nick Fury from the 90s in the new Captain Marvel right. movie. And he looks like Samuel Jackson from the 90s. Yeah, exactly. So he's one of those actors that you can, you don't even need CGI. Yeah. If you, if you ever seen the X-Men movie when they tried to make Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart young, it looked bad. Oh yeah, I can't remember those It was those too scenes. smooth, whereas you don't even need much for right. uh, Samuel Jackson. It's almost like Tron when they. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So eventually, um, Samuel Jackson is so happy. You can see that he's holding back from basically maniacally laughing. Yeah. And then he hand, he shows him the paper and goes, I, I believe this was for you. And he's like, F- and he's like, finally, you can shake my hand. Yeah. I like it. That how, was so good. That was like a villain move. Yeah. He puts his hand out. Yeah. He shakes his hand. And then we reveal, because previously in the movie, he starts mentioning that he's been waiting for people. Yeah. He full on mentions that he's been waiting and he mentions three different situations, a plane crash, yeah. a hotel fire and a train crash. Right. And he actually mentions it when they first see him. Yeah. And he's been looking to see if anything happens. Right. It's, it's but do you ra- think passively because of the state of his body and how it's so easy yeah. to break and everything? Yeah. And it's very much first time viewing. It's a pass. Yep. It's a pass away line. Yep. But it's actually pretty much him saying, yeah, I've been waiting. Oh, 100%. I've been causing this stuff. And he finally touches his hand and 
Bruce Apparently Willis it's not skin contact, it's just got to be touching him. Right. And it turns out Mr. Glass was the one that orchestrated it. He was in the airport and he actually caused the plane to explode. Yep. Uh, he found it information that if uh, the, the oh. first floor or the third floor caught fire, everyone dies. So he did that. Yeah. Then you see him exiting the train 177, which David Dunn was in. At the start of the movie, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it turns out that Samuel Jackson is the villain. Yeah. And he's Mr. Glass. And he, I love how he mentions all the tropes where it's, we're the opposite. So I've got to be a villain. Yeah. We used to be friends. Yeah. So I've got to be a villain. And then it just ends. Exactly. It just reveals that he... Called the authorities. Yeah. He did everything he should have as a normal yeah, th- citizen. There was no massive fight. fight. Scene, yeah. There's no that. It was just, I'm calling the cops. It made you beg for more. Yes. And that's why I'm... When when Split had that ending, oh, yeah. and he mentions Mr. Glass, they did. I'm like... Same feeling, though. You yeah. wanted more now, right? Exactly. I want to see the Horde versus David. Oh, for sure. Yes. Even to see Mr. Glass involved and how he exactly. can maniacally twist and, things. And um, apparently David's name is now the Overseer. Okay. That's his hero name. Oh, hero name. Okay. And that's kind of works because he yeah. overseers right. everybody while, when he touches people. He's just always watching, right? Yeah. And waiting for those moments. So you got Mr. Glass, Overseer, and the Horde. Okay. Not, not typical superhero names. No, it doesn't need to be. But they right? work. Yeah. And they explain exactly who they are. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you would recommend to watch this, I guess. Oh, 100%. Yes. And then, like I said, I, I've, uh, booked Glass for tomorrow. And, um, I'm actually going to thank you for being on the show. I'm actually going to tell you to fucking leave. Oh, yeah. Because, um, for, we, we've got to go. Oh, yeah, we do. We've got to go. We've, we've just been yelled at saying we're taking too long. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to go. But then, uh, I will be right back. Uh, so how about this? Give some plugs and okay. then we'll get going. Sounds good. So I mentioned it last time. I'll mention it again. I've got a YouTube, uh, vlog going of my wrestling journey. Uh, check it out. It's, uh, youtube.com slash imjwalker. That's I-A-M-J-Walker. It's up every Wednesday. I'm starting to upload matches on Mondays and I throw up content here or there. There's also my own podcast called Source Code, which includes a lot of the wrestling journey, but also has some motivational, inspirational, uh, pieces of advice. It's only five minutes. So I know podcasts take up a lot of time sometimes. This is just a little blurb, just kind of change your day and your, and your mindset in life so uh, give it a shot let me know what you think find me there hit me up yeah uh jay's podcast is excellent his youtube is excellent and on a side um the m night Shyamalan cameo uh m night Shyamalan cameo was that he was a drug dealer that's right i just wanted to put that out there before we go anyway so i will be right back jay will not be uh and yeah we'll be right back and bb does movies is back and so at the weekend, I watched the third part of the M. Night Shyamalan superhero trilogy, as you would call it. Uh, the first movie, as we reviewed, was Unbreakable. Then there was Split, which was like a secret sequel, which, as we mentioned in the previous part, we were very excited to do. And so I watched Glass. And when this movie started up, I was really enjoying it. I think I really enjoyed as this movie went on because I watched Unbreakable the the night before. Uh, There's a lot of references to Unbreakable in this. It is more of a sequel to Unbreakable than it's a sequel to Split. Uh, It takes a lot from Unbreakable. There's uh, aspects to Split. In my opinion, if you skip Split, you can watch uh, uh, Glass. No problem. I'm not going to dive into spoilers. I want everyone to check this movie out. Uh, But if you did enjoy the the original two movies you will enjoy this uh, there is some aspects that I, 
my initial impression was that's it. But then as it went on, I realized that it was actually pretty good. And the whole idea behind it, I really enjoyed it. was, it's definitely an end to this series as a whole. But if they wanted to spin off, there's plenty that they could do. I was really surprised that they had the original child actor having quite a big role in this movie as well. I was expecting him just to have a cameo at the start, but he is uh, very active in this movie. Uh, the mum is still the same mum, even though, she, yes, she is five years younger than Samuel Jackson, but she does look older than Samuel Jackson, because Samuel Jackson is a immortal vampire that does not, does not age. If you've seen Samuel Jackson in Coming to America, and you've seen Samuel Jackson now in Glass, there's not much difference. So what surprised me about this movie was that a lot of returning actors and it's kind of funny when me and jay were talking we never mentioned the wife character we had like little mentions here and there but we didn't delve deep and funny enough in glass uh she the only thing you see of her is in flashbacks and you see the back of her because in this movie she died uh not a huge spoiler but it's just pretty much funny how the day before we i watched it we didn't even bring her up because, in our opinion, she was inconsequential. And then it turned out that she was inconsequential to Glass as well. So that was hilarious. Um, I can see where the critics come from when it comes to this movie. But in my opinion, I I, I believe they're being too harsh. I, movies in general are a medium where you have to be in the mic right frame of mind i've mentioned this multiple times before i was in the right frame of mind i i loved the first movie i seen it the day before and i was ready to watch the movie and watching this it it was gratifying there was just so many uh every actor in this um knocked out the park bruce willis was okay uh he he did his uh, usual but I can see where the sleepwalking talk comes from because he was very, um, very quiet, very stoic. But considering how his character was in Unbreakable, it's not a far reach. Like I said, there was some dis- uh, towards the end. There was some disappointing aspects to this. But if you go into it thinking that it's just going to be this huge superhero knockdown dragout fight, this isn't for you. It's more of a I don't want to say Thinking Man's, I want to say it's more of a cerebral look at superhero movies. And I really like the the ways they went about it. So, if you like like I said, if you're, if you're a fan of Unbreakable, if you're a fan of Split, and you have an open mind, this is a really fun movie. Otherwise, if you're just going into it as a regular, it might not be for you. Unless you're, unless you're open to it, but... Regular where you've not seen any of the movies, you don't know what's going on. Th- this movie is very entrenched in its history. So so that that is the small glass review slash talk. And yeah, uh, I would like to thank Jay Walker for coming on. Uh, he's always a pleasure. I, I look to see, see him back on when he's next in town, hopefully. That was Beaver Does Movies. Uh, BeaverJMM on Instagram. I want to hit 200 followers before the end of the month. Probably not going to make it, but I'm going to try my my ass off. Then, uh, at Beaver Does on Twitter, Beaver Does Movies on Facebook. If you want to drop me a line, beaverdoesmovies at gmail.com. And that's pretty much it. Have a good one, guys.